0: This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Kat. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cad. So I was watching Eliza's eldest millennial comedy set on Netflix last night, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, you have to. You will die. It is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. But she does some epic mic dropping moments for women empowerment as well. So she was saying in one of her, one of her, I guess, comedy skits, um, it's hard being a woman in this culture because we are so hard on ourselves and we, we put so much pressure to do so much just to be okay And even though this is a comedy show and there's a lot of exaggeration in her speech, a lot of what she really says drives home for me, thinking about what it means to be a human identifying as a woman in this world. Now, even though I've done a lot of work on myself and I probably live in this tiny little bubble here in Venice, California, I still understand the pressures that I can put on myself or that other women put on themselves, you know, especially women not in this cushy little bubble of light and love that i've plopped myself into. And i say this for a number of reasons. First, i'm happy to announce my loved up body women's online program is officially launched, helping you to reclaim and deepen the relationship with being in your body and your sexuality. I'll go ahead and put the link in the show notes so you can check it out. Because like Eliza said, There's just so much pressure to just be okay. And how this impacts our ability to connect not only with ourselves, but with others too. And then on top of that, we are bringing forth these little tiny humans into this world. That in and of itself is a job. Correction. That's like being a CEO of a miniature Disney world about to be attacked by a radioactive glowing Godzilla. Oh oh my God. I'm like sitting here thinking about all these things that are flowing through my head, and I'm like, I must be on my ovulation stage because I don't even know how I'm coming up with this shit. It's just channeling through me. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, this is a special episode that's going out to all my mamas and papas out there. I know that birthing a child into this world is a major feat requiring so much from you. And (laughs) not because I have the experience of of any tiny human coming out of my womb, (laughs) but I'm getting tons of questions from mamas asking me about sex and intimacy, especially around and postpartum. So here we get to talk to the badass birth keeper herself, birth keeper. Birthkeeper, birthkeeper. That sounds like she's running away with an infant. Uh doula. <laughs> Jocelyn Gordon here.
1: Hi, sister. And can <laughs> you just like bottle up that ovulation juju and sell it? Cause I want it. I wanna drink it now.
0: No, you know, it's funny because it's if we learn to chart our cycle, right? We can really get to know how our different personalities or different abilities can show up, and it can create so much more compassion for us.
1: It really does.
0: I have to say, it took
1: me about four months to realize that uh, things would get outrageous in my house the three days before I would start my moon cycle. Mm -hmm. Then it took me another two months to give myself permission to really create some boundaries in my household, i.e. my husband and my daughter having a sleepover somewhere else for at least a night and a half.
0: Oh (laughs) my God, I love that. Yes. It was so liberating. Here's here's the camping tent. Here's the child. See ya. (laughs)
1: Yeah. He's like, well, can't you go to an Airbnb? I'm like, nope. I need to be in my space. I need to be in my nest nobody talking to me i can do whatever i want Uh, and if you guys come back everything's gonna just be like copacetic um but but yeah this is what needs to happen go on a little adventure right and
0: isn't this just doing everybody a favor right here really it is (laughs)
1: It, absolutely.
0: And Jocelyn would know because Jocelyn Gordon is a conscious conception coach. She's a mother, she's a birth doula, and she's a founder of Hoop Yogini. Mm-hmm. She helps women and their partners up-level their health and well-being before conception so they can align with the energy wishing to be born through them. Ooh, That mm-hmm. feels so good. <laughs> so Jocelyn helps to create space for ancestral healing And that really encourages the soulful guardianship of the children that are coming to this earth. My God, woman, you sound like the description of a celestial angel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if my family members would say that, but um, definitely some things have come through. I have to
0: say. Yeah, the (laughs) celestial angel again gives her husband a tent and tells him to go out into the wilderness with the baby. She lays into the (laughs) bath with candles and chocolate. Well, I
1: catch up on Netflix shows like the one you just mentioned. Yeah, I
0: swear. Everyone needs to listen to it. I actually get my
1: Tiffany Haddish fix in when I have like a few extra hours after I've done my work. I don't, there's just something about Tiffany Haddish. She's like, I just love her so much. Her laugh. So when I have my downtime that I have like, I binge on Tiffany Haddish comedy.
0: That's amazing. I love comedy. I love comedy shows. I think it's just this fun way to let go and wind and not have to think about anything else. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. And comedians are the good ones. They're obviously brilliant. So Mm -hmm. they really, I really appreciate observing that, that, that way of thinking that puts like the hard topics out there, but makes it funny and enjoyable as well as thought provoking.
0: Oh my God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what she does on her show is like bringing in all these topics around women empowerment and like, uh, inequality in a way that is accessible for us. You know, like humor Mm -hmm. creates heavy topics and makes it so we receive it more easily. Now, just to paint an image for all of our listeners out there, how you and I met. It was a sexy day deep in the Costa Rican jungle at Envision Festival. <laughs> and I was lounging out under the palm trees with my friend and co-teacher Andrew Seely mm-hmm. and tribal marker founder Amir Magal eating the juiciest fruit from the gods. I swear the best pineapple I ever tasted in my life. Jocelyn, being this gorgeous being that she is, came up with her equally gorgeous little human, Sienna. Mm-hmm. And I got to tribal mark with this little angel. And we dropped into conversation about conscious conception, yoga, teaching. And it was so enlightening. I was just like, hey, you need to meet on my podcast and share this with everyone. <laughs> so, so now no. here we are. Yay. Yay. <laughs>
1: and I was like, anything that's more time with you. Thanks. Oh I'm just going <laughs> to move you over here from Florida. <laughs> you no, know, there is a committee that's working on that. So oh, we'll I'll put in my vote. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so the first question that I think a lot of our listeners would probably be interested if they're not in our Venice bubble, you know, but what is a birth doula?
1: Oh, wow. OK, why well, I, I personally identify with being a full spectrum doula um, with an emphasis on the preconception space. So that space of mm. awareness before sperm and ovum meet and really honoring that this really um, majestic and creative initiation and a doula is traditionally a woman who uh, holds space and supports other women through their initiations. Um, Most commonly these days, a doula is known as a woman who's present at the time of birth or through the birthing journey to be a consistent support to primarily the birthing person. So um, in addition to maybe offering some massage or helping to create a beautiful, serene environment with, the appropriate music with candles with essential oils with the balls with the wraps with all the things uh also providing just another layer of presence outside of perhaps the midwife or a doctor who's really focused on like the physiology the heart rate the surges the dilation the health of the baby and Mm -hmm. all of that very kind of like medical um the the doula really gives the mother in a sense, her undivided attention so Mm -hmm. that the mother knows that she's helped through this most amazing rite of passage. And a doula is usually a non-family member, generally not a medical part of the medical team, but someone who can provide loving support without judgment, which sometimes that can be challenging, you know, you know you have your mom at your doula and she's like just breathe damn it you know you're like no stop i'm traumatized from like <laughs> you're talking to me <laughs> like my teenage It's like that might not be the best fit so yeah it's, like, it's basically a birth cheerleader and um a doula has an abundance of tools to help support the unfolding
0: wow so you're there present with them You Mm -hmm. said during conception, -conception. preconception, when they make love puberty (laughs) in the
1: bedroom, (laughs) not exactly. (laughs) So um, I just described the birth doula, which is usually a person who's present during the actual stages of birth. Mm. Um, and then immediately following birth. There's also postpartum doulas who are coming into the home. They're doing anything from again, massage to coaching on breastfeeding, to cooking, to cleaning, to watching children, to helping the mom, like, um, just navigate like all their hormonal shifts. There's even end of life doulas. So it's almost like a midwife uh, position. It's like, you're this Presence during life's most potent transitions. And I've gone through trainings and certifications. However, I feel that being a birth keeper and being a doula is really a path of remembrance for anyone who identifies as a woman because every woman really inherently knows how to support another woman through these stages mm. of life. And that there is a fall, there is a fall, there is a you know, forgetfulness, mm-hmm. there was a haze, there's all the things, you know, that I'm sure you talk about. And now we're coming back into remembrance of these sacred cycles.
0: So you're like this magical Mary Poppins for you <laughs> are we going through pregnancy and <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah. I'm a magical Mary Poppins. woman, <laughs> the woman in her childbearing years. Oh, that's yeah. so amazing though. But this is such a like you said, like a major transition, not only in the lifestyle, but in their, in their bodies. And then I can imagine on the relationship too. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, it's huge. Like anytime
1: there's a new man member in the family constellation, there's usually some kind of turbulence as joyful as it can be. There's usually an upheaval of some sort (laughs) throughout Mm -hmm. the lifetime. Um, I I presume you coach people through these upheavals. So yes, and this is actually why I feel preconception preparation is so important um, in terms of, yes, there's how we can up-level our health and our energy and all that before we conceive, but also how just giving this phase due consideration can make things so much easier in the birth, the pregnancy, birth, birth, and postpartum phases. Um, And that's something that I realized in my own postpartum phase, which I I did a lot of preconception preparation with this, the second baby. My babies, my daughters are 15 years apart. The youngest one I knew about, um, she entered my space spiritually when my eldest daughter was five. So I feel that we were in a preconception communication or like, you know, 15 years or 10 years for quite a bit of time. And then about a year and a half before I knew she was coming. And by the way, I didn't have a partner. Um, I, I was married to a very nice man when my daughter, my first daughter was younger. And I was like, I don't really think that this is the father of my next baby. <laughs> we'll right? see. Yeah. I was like, we'll see. But I don't, one, he didn't want to have a child. Yeah. And two, I was convicted that this being was coming. So I was like, yeah, he's probably not that guy. Hold um, up.
0: Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean by communicating with your soul baby? What yeah. is that? That and can I do that? Like, can of I talk course. to? Can we talk to my future soul babies? Like, do I even have any coming through? <laughs> well, you
1: might. I'm sure. And even if they're not those that are meant to be embodied in human form, like your love.body dot body and all your other creations and co-creations, they come through in the spirit first in my observation in the energy field as thoughts and concepts and inspiration. So oh my God, I,
0: I'm birthing there. like all the You're time. I'm so like, I'm, I must be a birthing <laughs> expert. <laughs> you are a birthing goddess. I'm in labor like 24
1: <laughs> seven. That's why we, we all need our goddess arms because that's as, as, in essence, that's what women hold. Like we hold it down. Like even though we don't have six, nine arms, we kind of do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we kind of do see them. that's a lot of nail polish <laughs>
1: oh gosh oh gosh no <laughs> i'm
0: like trying to even imagine doing middle. yoga or like your hoop yogi- yogini i don't even know how that would work
1: i think they need to be like arms that retract and expand just right all go go gadget yeah <laughs> but sienna's energy or the energy that i now call sienna which it was completely undefined. It wasn't like a gender. It wasn't um, even a personality. It was an energy that I felt on the right side of my body that I felt had complete conviction. So there was and like, there was an unwavering knowing that this, ha- this was an energy that wanted to be born with through me. And I would have um, dreams about a baby and I'd wake up and I'd be so excited to go into the baby's room and then I'd be like oh that was a dream like okay I can roll with that but just the level of physical the visceral feeling of like oh my gosh this joy about this person being in our lives it was it was just a full body experience so also at the time I was deeply immersed in my role and practices as a massage yoga and dance therapist so All day, every day from like the morning when I had my own meditation practice to my own just very gentle Hatha practice to working with clients while they were on the table to teaching yoga classes throughout the day to hula hooping for an hour to being in my yoga therapy training. I, you know, at that time I was in a very, very much um, space of cultivating myself and being more aware of subtle energies through those practices. So. Not that you have to, like, spend 24-7 doing those things to communicate with your baby or the energy that wants to come through you, you just, but you really, in my experience, need to create space for it. And um, in some of the situations and with some of the clients that I've worked with, Yes, of course. There's so many people who just get pregnant. They don't want to. It happens with ease. They're like super fertile, whatever. Sometimes it just happens and I'm not in charge of that. So I don't know why it happens for some and doesn't for others. However, I have um, worked with women who they want it so badly to have this baby to bring this energy but they literally have no space in their lives. They're like stressed at work. You know, they hardly have any downtime when they, they and their partner come home it's like just decompressing from the day and the outside world and just unloading and not really um space for personal and then shared intimacy um sometimes like just the psychic space is like really cluttered with maybe some unresolved emotions and life situations or these desires about the future that aren't happening fast enough or how are they going to happen or whatever the attachments are to the past it's just like okay. Bandwidth overload, um, to you know, not having even just like the geographical space in their home. Not, not talking about like room for baby, but I mean like an altar or some kind of space that they go to where they can connect heartfully with themselves and this energy. So part of the work that I do is helping to identify these different aspects of space, why they're important in any kind of collaboration creation. And how to create space uh, for this energy to one, start communicating or to come into the world.
0: Wow. And then so when you're talking about creating space, which is actually one of my um, my taglines for um, sex, love, yoga is creating space. But how does that influence the conception or the pregnancy by doing that in particular? Well,
1: one, I feel that, again, honoring this rite of passage, um, I think for many with the fertility journey, it's kind of like a race with a finish line. Um, And when that happens and like sex can become mundane and super like organized and not even spontaneous and just like really on that functional level. Um, So um, in giving space and starting to communicate with this energy, Not that timelines are involved, but there's a greater like container for acceptance in divine timing. You know, sometimes things, sometimes it's just not right, like yet for that energy to come through. Maybe for me, I didn't even have the partner, you know, so it wasn't the right timing, but I had created space in my life to be open. And that openness led me, partially led me to move to Bali, Indonesia, because yet again, I knew that I knew. That that's where I needed to be to meet my, my uh, the father of my child, and two months later we met, and X months later we made a baby.
0: Girl, I've been to Bali like multiple times. I haven't met mine partner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not where you're going to meet And
1: I had been to Bali like you know it was seven times before I actually moved there, but I knew that that's the space at that time of my life where I felt more most juicy vital feminine, fertile, like all my game in my power, totally aligned with my Dharma. And I was like, that's where I need to be to call in something that was going to match and elevate to bring the, in this level of, of soul that I knew it was coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I answered your original question.
0: Well, well, what I'm thinking of, I I think you did just in, in the, in in a more poetic (laughs) description of it, but what I'm thinking of is I've had women asking me about the effects of stress in their lives Mm. on conception and on, um, giving birth and their child's development. So I wondered if, you know, by doing this conscious creating space, if that, influences that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that absolutely. Happens. Because a huge component of
1: this in my own experience and what I share is self-care. Mm. Uh, and I know that can be like hashtag, hashtag self-care, <laughs> but you know, like even just the simple practice of Abiyanga self-massage, massaging your body with warm oil from head to toe, um, 25 to 20 minutes in the morning or at night. Like that helps to release oxytocin. It's soothing to the nervous system. It's very simple. But what I found when I was in um, a regular practice with that, it the nurturing benefits of that practice were compounding. So every day, just incrementally a little bit more, I felt better. I felt more relaxed. I felt more loving of myself. I felt more connected with my body. So creating space... Um, for self-care and that's just one example will help to reduce cortisol levels will um, allow you to be more again nurturing of the body which allows for more trust you need to have trust in your body and in the process of conception Mm -hmm. um, and pregnancy and birth that your body actually truly does know exactly what to
0: do (laughs) oh yeah yeah and what does cortisol do to the process Um, tightens
1: things up, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> makes things less fun, <laughs> less juicy, more dry, more anxious in the mind, oh, um, can slow down the fertility. I mean, most all of diseases, you know, generally cultivated by stress that leads to imbalance. So when there's an imbalance, then there's less ease and finding, you know, a healthy homostasis, homostasis homeostasis takes a bit more for, for the system. So, Mm -hmm. but I mean, we all deal with stress, so it's not about eradicating stress. It's not about bringing the mind to stillness every time you enter a self-care space, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: really incrementally nurturing yourself on a regular consistent basis to teach the body how to find balance again, and then to let that be the flowering for your fertility.
0: Mm, Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. You know, it's interesting that's coming to my mind right now. And I think this is in relationship to this. um, What you're sharing is I, last week I had a friend who texted me for referrals on a womb healing.
1: Mm. Now
0: I I get people to ask me referrals for all anything related to the body or sexuality. It's really awesome. But I was like, in that moment, I was like, I don't even know what we're talking about here. (laughs) Healing Uh, my (laughs)
1: wound. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's another like hashtag trending thing right now. (laughs) And I mean, not to like reduce the need or not to dishonor what it means. I think it means a lot to, and different things to different people from addressing like pelvic disorders on the physiological level, Mm -hmm. you know, like pelvic pain, painful menstruation, all of that pain during sex to, um, you know, even extending that into the postpartum phase, like pelvic rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that maybe in the trending world, in the divine feminine rising, I think it's really honoring this organ, um, both as like a visceral organ and a temple for of a woman's power. And I even just like in TCM, you know, it's like lung, large intestines, Stomach spleen, you know. I'm like, what? What does the womb get paired with? You know, like, (laughs) what about that organ? You never hear about that. Or maybe you have cat, and if you have, I want to, you know, tell enlighten me. So I think like really reclaiming the womb as this meaningful organ in our lives and in the medical books and in how we relate to our health um, and relating to the womb as this cave for creativity but also a container that might be really holding on to our past traumas and imprints from past lovers um in ways that we don't really necessarily if we were to be very conscious about it maybe we don't need to hold on to that
0: hold up talk about that some more
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's said in several uh, traditions that like a woman holds the imprints of her lover for seven years mm. um, I haven't personally received a download on that so I can't speak with conviction on that but I would say the womb is a receptive vessel and I could see how that makes a lot of sense um, so I recently had a woman come to my home and she had scheduled a yoni steam and she gave herself a the The nurturance of a long, luxurious massage. So, And her intention was to release the imprint from her ex-husband, which she felt was over-influencing her mind space Mm and her relationships. Mm -hmm. So wherever we place our energy or our attention, our energy goes. So whether or not that happened in that exact moment, I believe that she's in ceremony on that until she feels a completion. Yeah, I'm not sure what else I have to say about that. I mean, have you had that experience, though, where you felt like, you know, you were with someone and then they're very much still in your field?
0: Actually, Um, yeah, I recently wrote a program about this. Okay, great. And it'll be launching this summer, but it's about uh, unho- uh, dropping the hooks from our past lovers and sexual experiences. And this can be you know, something energetic, but I focus more on the mental, emotional aspects of it and how our mind stays connected with these thoughts of mm. another person sort mm. of to get like this this fix almost like a drug fix because Ooh. every time we think about this person our brain releases these this dopamine which is a good right. feeling so we are supported or motivated to continue to think about this person and then we also simultaneously get the aching from the withdrawal of not having that source of those good feelings so um, it's, <laughs> you know, we think about we talk about energetic cords connecting us with people, and and part of the way to unhook these things is to help ourselves through a full on process. Right, and that means like rewriting a narrative around what it meant to have that person in our lives, you know. And I'm thinking about even sexually how, um, how much of an impact that is on us because chemically there's so mm-hmm. much chemicals mm-hmm. released, and so, uh, I imagine having those stories in our minds that are more um, very powerful to us and how that would influence us, you know, our ability to let go or open up to other people moving yeah. forward. Yeah.
1: And whether energetically, I mean, energy, emotion, Candice mm-hmm. Pert defined those basically emotions as energy and emotion, which are connected to our neurotransmitters and hormones. And I know that, Like personally, when I was preparing for um, my person who would be the father of my or the, you know, the co-parent of my daughter, my child, our child, um, I, for me, because I'm aware of how if I personally, if I exchange saliva with someone, then I that whole dynamic that you're talking about, Kat, um, something in me uh, can go on just on hyperdrive with that Mm -hmm. or just to a point of distraction. So Mm -hmm. I found that for me, instead of really spending a lot of psychic and mindful energy reining that back in, for me, I kind of chose a celibate path the couple of years before I was ready to meet my person because of what, because how I understand my physiology and Mm. deciding what my priorities were. Um, And I still felt like very sexy and felt positive, but that awareness also felt
0: like self-care to me. Mm, I love that. Oh, yeah. We can still, we can definitely be sexy without a partner. Like exactly, sexuality is a way of being in this world. Like we are sexual beings. It's not just the behavior, which I think so many people misconstrue. Absolutely. And just look
1: at nature. It's like all about sex. Oh, it is erotic. <laughs> <laughs> look at those lilies. They're just all about it.
0: bulbous everywhere (laughs) yeah and sperm so so, (laughs) (laughs) never apologize for that yes (laughs) and so as we're talking about these hooks from our past lovers Mm. one thing that really caught my attention in our conversation together was about um you help people with ancestral trauma or patterns of pain related to Mm. um birthing is that correct Yeah, birthing
1: or, you know, whatever might be in their mother line or father line or looking at uh, recurring patterns of, yes, of trauma, like uh, through a timeline kind of therapeutic process by first frequency shifting. So getting out of this default mindset and through breath work, prayer and intention and guided meditation, entering uh, another awareness and expanded awareness to look at and to feel in the body um, some of the stories that exist there. And to go to those stories if if the person is feeling safe, to go into a dialogue with their body, to go into contradicting states or personalities within the body and to allow those states and ways of being and thinking to have conversation. And also sometimes what may have happened like in one person's timeline you know sexual abuse or some kind of other trauma there's often this story in an a relative or ancestor's uh life as well like it generally doesn't in my own observation with myself and other people uh stand alone as an isolated event there's kind of like there's a pattern over over generations so looking at that and then coming to an awareness or just holding the conversation of like, that's the pain. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: what is this? what's the power story about it? Like what's the gift around it? What's like the Maha perspective Mm. um, with less duality Uh, and then integrating that back into the body with some real concrete conscious actions to take that awareness forward so that's kind of like a process it's not, that's the process that I've been using right now. It's not necessarily like shakers and rattles and drums. Um, but, and that's awesome too. Yeah, I will that. be bringing my drum to, to So I'm having a conscious conception circle there. So oh my will God. be coming. Maybe if I yeah. come, I'll talk to my soul baby. Maybe. <laughs> it's all about making space for babies. So maybe that might come forward. I would love that
0: that sounds amazing oh my gosh so we're talking a lot about preconception and getting ready and creating space and removing some of these past patternings that would cause you know contraction or or blocks and barriers to bringing forth a child into this world and i'm what i'm thinking of now is is after so postpartum Mm -hmm. and the experience of—I'm thinking of multiple clients and friends who have experienced postpartum depression, and that's a real experience. I remember there was a okay. time in our society that really, like, said that that's, that was made up or it was false, mm-hmm. right? And that put—that was very traumatic for our womankind. Um, but is there anything that moms or their partners even, oh, let's bring in the partner support um, how they can help alleviate this or reduce the risk of this experience? Sure. Well, of course, like I said, some pregnancies
1: often just happen without all this you know preparation. Um, so if whether if the preparation happens preconception or bringing more soulful awareness during the pregnancy stage, Uh, having the space to create like a soulful parenting plan, um, identifying values, individual and collective values of the the household, of the family dynamic, um, creating a family manifesto and developing a web of support are things that uh, I've found and observed can be helpful for the postpartum integration. And that web of support should include like those ride or die, try and true family members and friends, as well as other people, maybe contractors like postpartum or freelancers, postpartum doulas, you know, depending on someone's resources, like a chef or a nanny, um, or, you know, there's a lot of, there's more programs and more awareness around the necessity for doulas. And there's like grants and, you know, some programs out there to make this kind of support more accessible because everyone needs support and mm-hmm. most of us in this dynamic we're we're still in like a nuclear family model mm-hmm. and nuclear things blow up like it's just too it's just too much for two people running a household We got great single moms out there and I have to say I'm currently separated from my partner. Um, that's, that's another story, but being a independent mama, it's just, it's a lot. Like we Mm -hmm. need our tribe. We need our village, whether it's an independent parent or a co-parent dynamic or a larger network, a web of support is absolutely needed. Um, if we're talking about the non birthing partner too, they're generally picking up a lot of slack in the household, From, you know, meal preparation to, you know, cleaning to whatever that they're doing and they can get exhausted. They can get Mm -hmm. burned out trying Mm -hmm. to be the best person, partner, father, whatever mother they can be for this household. So having a conversation about needs, wants, and desires uh, as relates to the pregnancy experience extending into a birth plan and having a fourth trimester plan um, Mm -hmm. will doesn't mean it will alleviate the necessary transitions that are going to happen. Like hormones fluctuate. It has to happen. You know, moms generally cry. If they're not crying from birth every day for a while, they're generally crying through days, like three to seven, there's a meltdown that pretty much happens for every woman (laughs) person. (laughs) who gets hit with with the impact of her experience combined with the lack of sleep and like the overwhelm of the whole miracle of life. Mm -hmm. So, um, having an early fourth trimester plan and then extending that a bit more because often people come and go and they bring their food for the first two weeks and then that's it. Yeah. So, um, those are kind of practical things.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I had a couple friends, um, they had a baby and before the birth, they set up a whole schedule of yeah. like a different friends who would come in and either watch the baby or, you know, do dishes or bring over food yeah. and, or drive them somewhere and, or something, you know, something that helped them with the household. And yeah. I remember sitting with the mama for a bit and she was just like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful for everybody. And it was cool. Cause we showed up willingly like we wanted to we want to help it's just we don't know how or what's going to be the most effective for you exactly
1: and so having some again of these conversations talking to your friends and family members getting or appointing someone to to hold the space of like food meal prep person organizer You know, just I'll hold the baby while you take a shower. You know, I would say extending from, well, a minimum of one month, but that's really not enough, um, to about three months at the least. doesn't mean that it has to be every day, but having a network that's checking in. Uh, There is something also also what I find beautiful in many cultures, there's like a quote-unquote quarantine of the mother or the birthing person after birth. And other than a confinement, I personally found it liberating. Uh, in Bali, I believe it's 34 days. And it's a bit more easy to integrate in that culture because families live on family compounds with, you know, mothers, husbands, wives, aunties, cousins, uncles, kids, and all that. So there's an inherent support. Uh, the woman, she, she does no homework. I mean, housework. She stays out of the kitchen. Uh maybe she does some altar making, I'm not even sure. Uh, but she's really given that space to focus on the birth experience and the time with her baby, the bonding and the the healing that happens, or you know, that space for healing physically and energetically as the body starts to kind of not totally seal, but kind of come back into itself after the expansion of birth. So we did Outside of the, the first week, I had to go to the US consulate. My baby was born in Bali, a beautiful home, water birth. And we just had, she was born a tourist in Indonesia, so we had to go to the US consulate within seven days. Other than that, I believe I stayed home in the house for about 20 days. And it was really, really, um, like I said, nurturing, psychologically, as well as physically.
0: Wow, that's, that's and that's so beautiful. Giving you yourself that space to heal because your body's going through so much after that experience, and it's it needs that time and space. And I wonder that probably has or could potentially have a major impact on the intimacy or connection with your partner. Mm-hmm. What how what sort of advice do you give to people to help them maintain the connection? While there's the healing process that's occurring.
1: Yes. Well, because again, back in the nuclear family, that household, you know, needs get divided up in a certain way. There might not be that, that drop in space. Uh, but gosh, it's, it's hard not to be in a magical space after you have a baby. And it's hard not for the family members to be in that space with you. But I feel that having some time each day to connect and it's so easy to just stare at the baby. Like, I think there must be something physiological about it in terms of just like anthropologically speaking. Like if you stare at the baby, they'll definitely continue breathing or something like that. Um, But to come back into gazing with your partner or your partners, depending on your dynamic. um, Because I find that, Losing that eye contact, and, and plus, the birthing person might be so oversaturated with touch that they may not want a lot of physical affection. So, one, asking you know, asking for you know, consent for touching, not just assuming, and creating space for some of the tantric practices that I think a lot of us know about for eye gazing, for sensual yet non directive. Um, intimate touching. Another exercise that's been really helpful for me um, is for the fears, needs, and wants or needs, fears, and wants. Sometimes I get the order mixed up. I generally don't start with the fears, but just having a timer and maybe it's three minutes a person, maybe it's five minutes a person and each person, um, you know, what I, what I want right now okay and this goes on and the other person if they say anything it's just they say tell me more they don't add to the narrative they don't dismantle it it's just and what else and tell me more and going through this empty emptying process you know what are your fears what are your needs and then switching and let the other person go just in that sometimes without even again having to nitpick and and rehash some of the things shared, I've found that that builds intimacy and I've recommended this mm-hmm. to my clients too, and they always come back saying how helpful it was
0: I love that and what i what I really love about that is it creates um, safe space for us to be talking about our experiences in that moment because we don't want to forget I mean. It, there's healing that's happening for the woman in her body and moving through that. And then there's also this, this transition of right now we can't engage sexually because the body is healing, you know, so we are coming up with more ways to express our love in that way or in other ways there. So how much uh, for some of our partners may feel you know I miss that sexual connection with my partner and so creating the space of you can have that desire you can have that want and that uh, and that need and it's not possible right now in the way that you want it but even just voicing it and being validated and heard in that space can be really powerful
1: And there's oftentimes too, where, you know, it's, it is still a very sexy space. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we met, just made this person. Like I remember with my first daughter's father being like super turned on postpartum and there's so Mm -hmm. much like, wait for six weeks, wait for six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I can't feel super turned on or just like sorting through all of that. Um, and so also acknowledging that you might actually just feel like, oh my gosh, I just want you, you know, and creating some not guidelines, but exploring how there can be that kind of sexual satisfaction without maybe necessarily penetration if Mm -hmm. it's not exactly the time for that.
0: Oh, yeah. And sex comes in many different forms. We just oftentimes narrow our vision of what it is. And this is a great opportunity to explore that. Absolutely. More oh. massage, more orgasms. Yes. <laughs> I told one of my other guests I had Pamela Samuelson on, and she was talking about orgasmic birthing, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I'll have one of those, please." <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, one of my mentors, um, uh, Deborah. Uh, gosh, which I gotta look up her last name. But um, so, Ibu Robin, who created the boobies to the hot foundation in bali and in the philippines i don't remember what island it's a nonprofit midwifery center and health clinic free care for indonesians um, and paid sliding scale pair um, pay for non-indonesians but the two of them um have a program called eat pray doula so that might just sit with you kat your audience i
0: love that yeah.
1: And, yeah, and I, I feel awful that I, I, I have to look up the name Pasqualini, um, Dr. Deborah Pasqualini, and I'll come up with her last name. But she started or just brought the orgasmic birth movement to the forefront with her um, documentary. And that was such a beautiful Um, Not just a training, but just the opportunity to share space with these wisdom keepers and their stories and narratives around birth um, and what's possible. We watched several orgasmic birth videos, probably many that aren't publicly present uh, and looked at how, you know, the hormones that were present ideally at during lovemaking are the same hormones that are present during birth. From the adrenaline that starts to push things to the oxytocin that's like opening and supporting dilation, and that you know, we have to change our narrative around birth because so often women are observed so heavily during the birthing experience, yet it's the environment of like low lighting and you know, a mood similar to like whatever a romantic lovemaking session that actually can create a more ideal and more pleasurable experience of birth
0: mm, yep that's what i want that's i want that want that has to be right there <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and you're you're convicted <laughs> that you will have it i can't say my births were orgasmic but they were pain-free Oh, and, that's
0: nice too. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean that they were out without, they weren't without heightened sensation, yeah. but I wouldn't register it as pain. Yeah. Um, wow. And so they were very beautiful. All births are beautiful, but they were drugless, pain-free, natural births where I was in a heightened meditative state.
0: Mm. So to all of our listeners out there, it is possible to have a birth that is not like the image that has been conditioned in our minds <laughs> around yeah. all the pain and the suffering and the trauma. Exactly. Yeah. The,
1: the media has done a number on our psyche related to birth and death and everything else in between. And everything. <laughs> and
0: sex and
1: all that. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much, Jocelyn. This was such an epic interview with you. There's so much juiciness here that was shared today. I wonder if there's anything else that you would like to leave with our listeners as we close for today. Well,
1: I have a um, a few things that, well, in terms of gifts, I have actual, it's, it's very simple, but um, simply made, but it's a uh, petals of preconception preparation uh, and mm-hmm. I use petals it's like a seed of life because some of these aspects for our focus they overlap so they're not like do this do this and then do this mm-hmm. it's more like looking at this preparation to birth to soulful parenting as like these woven petals of awareness so I'd love to send that out and then oh, I have a yeah. self-care chart that again, it's just really giving more ideas on how we can create space to love our bodies and our minds a bit more in ways that are free to no cost and to Mm -hmm. kind of track where we put our energy through the week and where we could grow in self-care practices. And then I think I also give this a lot, um, like a five minute heart chakra meditation from an album that my daughter's father and I collaborated
0: on called Chakra Mm -hmm. Clarity. Oh my God, Jocelyn is such a giver. (laughs) She's like, here, everything I have, I want you all to have. (laughs) I hope they're they're helpful. And uh, I know they have
1: been for me and for the people I've worked with. And if your audience would like to learn more and explore preconception preparation and conscious conception, I do offer... Just a, an alignment chat where we see if we're the right fit to work together for mm. any commitments made.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And where can people find
1: you? JocelynGordon.com, J O C E L Y N G O R D O N, and Hoop Yogini. So it kind of looks like Hoopy Ogini, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's Hoop Yogini. And that's my holistic fitness practice. I have online courses courses and a teacher training and a really lovely community of global uh hula hoopers who find their center and move through the from their core through the portal of the hoop
0: oh my god i yeah. love that image yes all yeah, about that core yeah. power yeah yeah
1: and massaging to the body and mm. Sacred safe space, like no one can get in your hoop unless you invite them. So,
0: amen. Snap to space. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you, Jocelyn. And I want to thank you lovers again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com to subscribe to the show, connect with both of us and get your free lesson on how you you are preventing your pleasure potential from my online women's course, Love.Body that has launched because our goal here is to get you to eat, play and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will obviously improve everything every aspect of your life. Mm, I'll see you again next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.